come on, church, one more time. Can we get up, give it up for Jesus this morning? Come on, can we make some noise for Jesus this morning? That's what we're here for. This is what it's about. It's all for him. So thankful for what the Lord has done in our gathering this morning and uh, for what I believe he's going to do over these next few moments. I'm not going to be before you long, just maybe about two hours and 30 minutes. And uh, <laughs> we'll get, somebody said take your time. I don't know if I want to take that much time. Look, but it's going to be an amazing day. So excited. Uh, for what God uh, is doing. And again, if you are new here, please, before you leave today, will you stop by uh, our welcome tent? We just have something that we want to give you and place in your hands and just say thank you for being with us today. Uh, so excited that you would join us. We're actually uh, today closing out a collection that we kicked off on New Year's Day called Becoming. And the idea behind this collection has been to answer this question, who are you Becoming, who are we becoming? And as a church community, and, and, and perhaps as individuals, uh, we we're rallying around this word preparation uh, this year. That, that that's kind of like our theme of the year, if you will. And and we believe this that in order to become a part of the becoming process is this idea of a preparation, right? There's some steps, some things that we have to do to get in order. In fact, here's a scripture for you, Proverbs 24, 27. It says this, prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. So look at that. It says, prepare your work outside. So that means there's work involved in this. There's work in becoming, right? There's work in walking into everything that God wants to do in your life. Sometimes we look at work like, man, that's the result of sin. No, 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 no. <laughs> work was present in the garden before the fall. And then here's another thing. It says, get everything ready for yourself in the field. The field's dirty. So this work may be dirty, right? You, you may get some, some bumps, some bruises, some cuts. It's, it's dirty. It's messy. But then it says, after that, Build your house. So after you've done the work, and, and sometimes that work is dirty and it's messy, then you're ready to build your house. Then you're ready to build your marriage. Then you're ready to build your family. Then you're ready to build your career. But it begins with understanding that it's work. It's all part of the preparation process. And in fact, preparation itself is defined as the action or process of making something ready for use our service. And I don't know about you, but that's how I want to live my life. Like, Lord, I'm making myself available, but not just available. Because God wants our availability, but within our availability, he also wants our flexibility. I mean, we got to be flexible with how he wants to do something in us and through us. But I want to be available and say, Lord, I want to be ready for use or for service to you. And so that question of becoming, what it should do, it should cause us to analyze who we are. Who are we right now? Where are we in our life in this moment? And then ultimately through doing that, we can see, well, who do we need to become? What, what areas do we need to grow? And so in case you missed last week, you know, we gave a spoiler alert to the answer. We didn't wait to this week to answer the question of who we are becoming, or at least who we are intended to become, who we are becoming or who the Lord desires us to become is like Jesus. We're called to live, love, and lead like Jesus. We're called to live, love, and look like Jesus. That's it. 
That's the goal. But, but how do we do that? The process of looking like Jesus is called spiritual formation. It means being spiritually formed into becoming like Jesus, being spiritually formed. Everything of us, right, we, we, are, we are not humans having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Are you tracking with me? And so who we are being formed spiritually, spiritual formation, is the process of looking like Jesus. And the way we do that is through what are called practices. And so we've talked about this before, uh, the practicing the way of Jesus. So when you look at the life of Jesus, there are practices that he lived out and modeled for us. You see the, the, the practice of prayer. Like often the disciples would be looking for Jesus and he'd be off away praying. Or either the practice of silence and solitude, the practice of hospitality. Jesus always around a table somewhere. I like that. I like that. Especially finishing up seven days of prayer and fasting. I like that one. But also the prayer, uh, excuse me, the practice of fasting. So these are practices that we can utilize to practice the way of Jesus. And that term, practice the way of Jesus, it may be new or different or odd to you. Like, what is that? But understand, early followers of Jesus, they weren't called Christians. That didn't come later into the book of Acts. And it wasn't a term of endearment, but it was one uh, that was meant to be derogatory in nature. Like, look at these, like, little Christ-like ones. Who do they think they are? So prior to that moment, those who followed the, the, the way of Jesus were called followers of the way. And if you read Acts, you'll see the way capitalized all throughout the book because we were called followers of the way. And so that's where the way, following the way of Jesus or the, the practice of Jesus comes from. And so over the last three weeks, we've looked at various practices of Jesus and how we can practice them in our own journey. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue that, looking at one more uh, practice as we close out this collection, um, Becoming. And we're going to use Ephesians uh, to guide us. So if you have your copy of God's Word, you can flip with me there. Scroll with me there, however you connect, or right here on the screen. But it's Ephesians 4, 29 through 32, and it says... This, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate. Pay attention to verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Come on, let's pray. Father, we're grateful, we're thankful. Thank you for this moment, God, that we have together. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done in our gathering to this point, and we look forward for what you're going to continue to do. Open up our eyes, Lord. Allow us to see what it is that you're showing us. God, open our ears. Allow us to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. Holy Spirit, come. We, we, need, we need you. God, to say that we invite you in this place may not be necessary because you're omnipresent, so, so you're already here. But I guess the prayer is, God, let us be aware of your presence in these moments. God, we love you. 
we honor you. We say this, speak, Lord, because we're your servants and we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen, amen. Matthew, thank you so much. Y'all give it up for Matthew. First time serving today. So thankful for you, brother. You know, when you have small kids, I've discovered this. Like we're, we're new. Our oldest is seven. We're new to this. You might be like, my oldest is 18. I still feel new to this. <laughs> but you just consistently repeat yourself all the time. All the time. Like, Katie and I, we talk, like, man, if we had, like, $5 for how often we repeated ourselves, we make a significant difference in the world because it's just that much. Like, now the kids are at the age where uh, they, they know how to tick each other off. They know how to annoy each other. They know how to get on each other's nerves. And something tells me that's, that's not going to end from this point moving forward. But it's constantly, stop that. Don't do that. Put that down. Leave them alone. Get off of them. Zoe let go of their hair. Like, it's just, so Katie and I, we're kind of like, we're just just tired of, like, I don't stop this, all that. And so actually, was it this morning or, no, yesterday, so we need to reinforce the becoming kid values. And Marcus and Maria are not in here, so I hope I got them right. But I say, listen, kids, this is what you're going to do. You're going to love God. You're going to be a friend, and you're going to have fun. Did I get it right? So those are the values that we're trying to push to the kids. Instead of don't do this, stop that, leave them alone, get off them, Zoe, don't pull their hair, that will remind them that you need to love God, that you need to be a friend, and you need to have fun. So the idea is this. Now, I'll give you the results in a week or so. <laughs> but the idea is this, that if we remind them of, like, who we are as a family, what we're supposed to do, that they can look and say, you know, does, is my behavior consistent with what it means to love God right now as I dig my elbow into my brother's back, you know? Is that consistent with being a friend? I might be having fun, but are they having fun in this experience? We're, we're trying to get them to understand some values, and maybe you're saying, where are you going with this? Well, family, this is what Paul is doing here with the church in Ephesus in his letter, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, that he's reminding them that life in Christ, life, life outside of Christ looks different than life inside of Christ. That, listen, this, this may, that was how you used to live, but this is what living a life in Christ now looks like. So it's this idea of get rid of this and replace it with this. That's what you see in Ephesians 4, 31, where he says, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger. Get rid of brawling. Get rid of slander, along with every form of malice. And then he goes on to say, now replace it with this. Verse 32, he says, be kind. Replace it with kindness. Replace it with compassion for one another. How about this? Choose to forgive each other. Why? Because you're doing what Christ has done to you. So just as forgive one another, just as Christ, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So Paul, he's telling us 
to be kind. He's reminding them to be compassionate and to forgive one another. And so for the rest of our time this morning, family, I want us to focus on that last reminder that Paul gives. Because I believe even the others plays into this. I want to focus on the, the reminder of forgiveness. The reminder of forgiveness. I, I think all of us in here at one point or, the no, or another, or maybe currently, we're walking through that area of forgiveness. Of one, maybe needing it. Or two, we, we, we need to forgive. And so I think what we're going to talk about today is going to apply to all of us in this room. You know why? Because we've all, in one way or another, have been offended. We've been hurt. We've been disappointed. So what do we do when these things happen? When these things happen? How do we respond to these moments? Because if we're serious about answering the question, who are we becoming or who am I becoming, then I believe what's vital for us in answering that question is to pay attention to the often neglected area of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not often one of the things that you look forward to talking about. Hey, everyone, we're going to talk about forgiveness today. You're excited? No, because I know it's going to come with an ask that I don't want to do yet, right? But as we practice the way of Jesus, family, forgiveness is a part of that, and it's important to our apprenticeship to him. Remember, uh, the word often we see in Scripture is is disciple, uh, but a better word perhaps is apprentice, that, that Jesus is our great teacher. He's our rabbi, and we are apprenticing under him. And so that's the case. The goal of, of, an, of an apprentice is to do what their rabbi, what their teacher does. And what Jesus does is forgive. And I know we live in a sin-filled world, and because of that, there's a lot of brokenness that exists. And, and one of the areas where we often experience that brokenness the greatest is in the area of relationships. That is interesting that the same thing that can be so life-giving could also be so life-taking. And so that's why we have to understand, and you know, we're talking about that next week, of even how to navigate relationships. But today, how to forgive when we've been disappointed, when we've experienced loss, when the pain has been really deep. Because here's the thing, family. Despite that loss, Despite the pain, despite the disappointment, despite the whole experience, we are still called to release those who hurt us. And I think we see, not I think, I know we see this embody the best in the person of Jesus. That in the face of sin, he chose not to look the other way or pay the person back. That's why Jesus says, no one's taken my life, right? You didn't take my life. I mean, think about it. When they come to arrest him. Are you the one? I am he. And they all fall down. 500 or so men, right? Think about just the power of him saying, I am he, and how they fall back. But yet, in all that he could do and all that was about to come, Jesus chose to forgive these people. And so it's embodied best in the person of Jesus that he would say on that cross, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. They're sitting here gambling over his clothes, mocking him, spitting all the things, the, 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 the beating that he had just taken. 
But yet he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't know about you, but that messes with me right there. Because in that moment, that's not what I'm thinking. But yet it's that model right there that we are called to live out. But even with all of that, even with hearing that, even with understanding that, even with knowing how difficult that was for Jesus. And you say, no, it wasn't. He's Jesus. Remember, he lived as he was fully God and fully man, but he lived out of his humanity so that he would show us what to do in our humanity. So when he say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, that wasn't his divinity talking. That was him and his humanity. So that means we're called to that. But yet, us knowing that is still difficult for us to forgive. And, and here's why. A few reasons why it's difficult for us to forgive. The first reason is this. We don't understand forgiveness. We don't understand forgiveness. Forgiveness, here's the thing. Here's why. I think we think forgiveness means that we dismiss what they did to us. But forgiveness does not dismiss what they did. Forgiveness just means that it no longer owns you. That I'm forgiving you. It's it's not dismissing what they did to you, but it's saying what has been done to me no longer owns me. Because maybe you have dealt with this or maybe you know someone who uh, is dealing with this. But so often I see people who have experienced hurt in some type of way. And what was done to them is the thing in which they have placed their identity in. Because forgiveness hasn't taken place. And even if they think that they may have forgiven, no, because that thing is that pain, that hurt, that disappointment is still owning them. So some people don't forgive because it's like, well, we don't understand it. We think it means if I forgive, I'm dismissing what they did. But that's not the case. Here's another thing. Forgiveness also doesn't mean reconciliation. To reconcile means, means to come back, means, means to be joined back together. Like, like we were separated from God because of sin, and the life of Jesus, his sacrifice, reconciled us back to God, brought us back safely to God. So, so forgiveness and reconciliation is not the same thing. So forgiveness just said, hey, I forgive you for what you've done, but it doesn't mean we're reconciled. No, we ain't kicking it no more. Don't call me. Like, you really can lose my number. And I'm not saying cause that because I'm still hurt. I'm just saying there's no way we're going to be cool again. Right? So forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. It just means, look, I, I've forgiven you. And, yeah, we're, we're not cool no more. Don't tell anybody we're friends because you will be lying. <laughs> so I feel like that right there was freedom for some folks right now. Because you thought, like, oh, if I forgive them, that means we still got to be cool. No, 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 no. Like, there's some people that, that wronged me. I have forgiven them. But no, don't, don't text. <laughs> don't text. Because it's not like that anymore. Here's another reason. In, in terms of not understanding forgiveness, we think that forgiveness is about them. But forgiveness is not about them, family. It's about you. So what happens is... We'll decide to hold uh, forgiveness. I ain't forgiving them. They're going to pay for what they did to me. Oh, they want me to forgive them? No, don't take I'm sorry. You keep your little I'm sorry. I'm not forgiving you. But here's what, here's what happens when you do that. 
You're not hurting them. You're hurting you. Because forgiveness isn't about them. Forgiveness is about you. And in some cases, they're not even asking for forgiveness. In some instances, they don't even know that they hurt you. In others, they know that they hurt you and they don't even care. And so you're over here holding that unforgiveness, thinking it's about them when it's about you. And the person that it's affecting the most is you. So you're not free to think and see life through the lens that you're supposed to see it through. You see things through hurt. You see things through pain. You see things through disappointment. You can't even connect with new people or develop new relationships because you're like, I just know the minute is coming when they're going to hurt me, when they're going to disappoint me. Because you haven't forgiven the person who has. So now your worldview is hurt, pain, and disappointment. So who is imprisoned by this? You're trying to imprison them by holding that. Well, because you actually haven't released it, it's you who are in prison. So forgiveness is not about, you say, you don't know what they do. I don't know. But I look at Jesus and I see scripture and I see what they did to him. But yet he forgave. So, so we have to choose forgiveness. And be reminded that it's not about them, but it's about us. And and when we hold unforgiveness or forgiveness from people, it shows that our heart is not in the right condition. And so that's the opportunity to pray. Like, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me so that I can be positioned to forgive. And here's another reason why why we have a misunderstanding of forgiveness and why we don't. It's because we think that forgiveness means we forget. But forgiveness doesn't mean that you forget. Forget and forgive is a misconception. I forgive you. It doesn't mean I forget it, right? I, I still remember that. that. That was traumatic. That was difficult. Now, it doesn't have the same effect on me anymore because I've realized the freedom, the redemption of what the Lord has brought into my life but I still remember it. And I think one of the reasons why we are still supposed to remember it, because it becomes a testimony for someone else who's walking through another difficult journey of forgiveness that you can say, I was in the same place as you, but look what God has done in my life and how he freed me from the hatred, from the pain, from every, the bitterness, from everything that I felt because of what they did. And if he freed me from that, he can free you from that. So I don't even know if we're supposed to forget it. It's more about the, the effect isn't there anymore. So it doesn't mean forgive and forget. It knows forgive and release. That should be what, how the perspective we take around this. We also, here's another reason why we don't forgive. is because we think forgiveness, we don't think forgiveness makes sense. In Matthew chapter 18, 20, 21 through 22, it says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not even seven times, but 77 times. Now, in this interaction here, Peter, I love Peter. I resonate with Peter. (laughs) I see him like, man, I'm going to get Jesus today. Because he's like, yo, Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Seven? That's, that's, that's something, right? Now, the reason why Peter would have thought this was something was because the rabbis taught 
that you forgive a person three times, and then that's it. So on that fourth time, you're done with them. There's no forgiveness for you. So when Peter is coming to Jesus, he's like, oh, yeah, wait till I tell John about this. I got Jesus today. And he comes back like, nah, Peter, you think you're being generous. But no, 77 times, and not like the idea of, okay, that was the 65th time, bro. You got just a few more, and then that's it. No, what Jesus was saying, don't keep track. That forgiveness is the choice every time. That forgiveness is the decision that we're called to make. And I know that doesn't make sense. The world's like, no, you mean forgive somebody that consistently does wrong? Remember, it doesn't mean that you're reconciling. You're forgiving. And I know that's countercultural, but that is the Christian's approach. For those who follow the way of Jesus, that's our approach. It's countercultural to the way the world views it. It's different. And, and, and here's the reality. We don't want to get into the what makes sense or what is fair game. Because it didn't make sense for Jesus to forgive us, but he did. He wasn't the one who sinned. He wasn't the one who messed up. But yet he was up on that cross dying for the sins of the world. That's my sins. That's your sins. That's all of our sins. And you may say, well, brother, I wasn't born yet. I didn't do anything. Scripture reminds us that when one man sinned, Adam, sin entered the world. So we were born into this thing, sinful. And you say, what do you mean? Have you ever had to teach a kid mine? No. They know mine. Because naturally, we just think us. We think flesh. We think what we want. But us as believers, it's not about what we want. It's about what he wants. So we're born into this thing, sinners. So we don't want to get into, well, that don't make sense. Oh, that's not fair. Because Jesus was the one who knew no sin. But for you and I, he became sin. So that wasn't fair for him, but yet he did it. So we, we would lose that. Well, this don't make sense. So I don't think I can do it. He's going to say, <clears throat> pull up a chair. How many billions of people throughout history? I don't even know. More? I don't know. Just every person born from the beginning of time, Jesus died for their sins. So we lose in what makes sense or what's fair game. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still in your mess, while you were still in your junk, while you were still doing stuff you didn't know you were supposed to do, you knew that you weren't supposed to do. Jesus died for you. He died for us. And here's another reason. We don't think we can forgive. You know, when Isaiah was younger, he would get in trouble or just, I don't know, just doing something he's not supposed to. Like, Isaiah, go over here or do this or do that. And all of a sudden, his legs would stop working. you remember that? He'd be on the, on the floor like, my leg's not working. It's like, dude, get up. I can't. That's what he used to say. I'm telling you, yeah, like kids, was, people who were parents before me, like I had a bone to pick. I'm like, why you ain't tell me? These little humans crazy. <laughs> like, why y'all didn't tell me this? God bless them. I don't speak that over their life. Amen. <laughs> but he used to do that. But that's how some of us are when it comes to forgiveness. I can't forgive. Like, like, no, I can't forgive. But the truth is you can't because you're trying to do it out of your own strength. When you try to forgive out of your own strength, you're not. Because you don't think about the hurt. You don't think about what they did to you. Like, no, I'm not going to forgive that sucker. No. <laughs> I can say it how you're thinking it. 
Like some of us just, we, we, we can't because we're trying to do it out of our own strength. But what does Philippians 4.13 remind us of? That I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's much more for the team during NCAA tournament time. But it's a reminder of life that we can do more through Jesus because he is the one who gives us strength. That the Holy Spirit empowers us to do things in and of ourselves that we can't do. We must choose Forgiveness, and here's a quote from Corey Ten Boom, who says this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. So when we choose forgiveness, it releases us from resentment. Because I'm telling you, resentment is real. Resentment will... You'll get so deep in resentment, you don't even know that you're in it. But forgiveness unlocks that door. It unlocks the handcuffs of hatred that you've developed in your heart towards that person or whatever it is that that has hurt you, that's wronged you. And it it has the power to break the chains of bitterness. Bitterness Bitterness looks good on no one. Because everything, when you're bitter, when you're bitter, you can't even celebrate those closest to you want to share good news and, and, and you're just bitter about it. It's difficult to even celebrate. Forgiveness break, breaks the chains because you think when, you hold, when you're holding forgiveness from someone else, you think that it's only affecting them. But the reality is it's, it's not affecting them. It's affecting you, but it's also affecting those around you because that's all that you see life through. And also it breaks the, it releases you from the shackles of selfishness. So what do we need to do? We don't need to follow our feelings because we'll never feel like forgiving them. <laughs> You're not going to wake up one morning and say, you know what? This morning, I'm going to forgive them. That ain't happening. Come on. We just got, you got to be real with yourself. That ain't happening. So then what do you do? You have to make a choice. And so as you make a choice to forgive, your feelings will follow. But you can't say I'm going to feel like forgiving, and so then now my choices follow my feelings because that's not how it works. But as I make a choice to forgive, eventually those feelings have to follow the direction of the choice that I'm making. And so don't think that it's about how you feel when you choose forgiveness. It's about consistently moving in the direction of choosing forgiveness, that your feelings about that will follow. Are you tracking with me this morning? Because when we allow our feelings to lead, we'll never choose forgiveness. And I know some, so we may say, well, choosing forgiveness looks weak. And I, and, and I get that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip a couple verses, India. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.28. It says, God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify, to nullify the things that are. And earlier, in, in a couple of verses earlier, Paul talks about how for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So we, we don't like forgiveness because we feel like it looks weak. It doesn't make sense. But look what scripture, scripture is like, what looks like the foolishness of God is actually wiser than the intellect of man. 
Because when, when you've been hurt, you know it, it actually takes a lot to get to that place of forgiveness, right? But then look what, so the world will say, don't forgive because they hurt you. Oh, I didn't cut you off. I didn't delete all that. Like, that's, that's the world's view. But God, through Paul, is saying, is we're being reminded that God chose the lowly things of this world. So the world considers forgiveness lowly. The world despises that, despises things that look like that. But Scripture says God takes those things and nullifies the way that the world views things. And those things are actually wise. Those things are actually strong. And so here's my prayer is that we would experience a reality inside of God. So we would experience a reality in him that nullifies the things that are. So in other words, the course of our life and how we approach moments are not dictated by how the world says that we should respond, but how God says that we should respond. So the reality is inside of him that we're going to choose the things that nullifies the way the world says we should respond. Are you tracking with me this morning? So what do we do? Family, we must obey. We must make the choice to to forgive. We must choose obedience and what God is calling us to. And so here's the first way. So here's one of those things. We talk about nullifying the things that are. So doing the opposite of what the world says. So what does that look like? It looks like this. We should pray for them. Hold on, bro. You want me to pray for them? I thought you said this church was all right. <laughs> Somebody's doing that right now. But, we're, but look at Matthew 5, 43. I'm having a hard time finding it. I'm just scrolling. Here we go. Technology don't work for you when you want it to. Pray for them. Matthew 5, 43. You've heard what it said. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So that's the way the world says. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Look what Jesus says. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. I remember in one uh, ministry assignment that, that Katie and I were on, and, and the team of, of leaders that, that we were use, uh, uh, leading was youth ministry, and, you know, it was a different, interesting scenario that we had came into, an assignment and all that stuff, I won't get into details, I just, I want you to hear um, what we were facing, what the situation was. There was so much, like, gossip and so much things that were going on within the team. And so we knew this is not, a, this is, one, this is not what it looks like to follow Jesus. We got, we got to figure this out. But this is also not conducive to be able to lead these students that we get the opportunity to lead. And so every time we would hear the chatter of gossiping and all these things going on, we'd check it on the spot. Which, by the way, that's how you do. Somebody comes to you, hey, I, you know, I, I got something that we need to be praying about. And it's really gossip. We try to hide it under the umbrella of prayer is not. Cut it off. You say, man, that could be rude. Well, they kind of set themselves up coming to you with gossip. 
Okay, I just don't like gossip. But they would, we would hear it, or they would come to us with so-and-so, so-and-so. So we would always say this. Well, have you, did you pray for them? Because it's difficult to gossip about someone that you're praying for. Because, I mean, how would that prayer look like, right? It would it, it, be petty. I guess, Lord, you should bless them. I guess you should, Right? It gets difficult if you're praying for something. So, so we would say, hey, yeah, not, it's not, we're not here to dispute what you said they did. They probably did it. Probably, they probably should get whatever you want to do to them. That's probably true. But have you thought about praying for them? Because it's difficult to gossip about someone you're praying for. So those who we feel that have wronged us, and they have, and everybody knows it, what if we just did something that nullified the way the world says we should respond? What if we chose to pray for them? Because you never know what someone's dealing with, the hurt, the pain, what was done to them at some point in their life. And because they never had the tools on how to handle it, this is what, how they respond with. So what if you were part of that process of seeing whatever has them bound and them being free from that? Think about they, they're, they're married. Think about their family. Think about their kids. And look at what you, by simply praying for them, could set off in their life. And for everyone that they're connected to. So we're called to pray for them. Here's what else we should do. Bless them. Pray for them and then bless them. Yes. Luke 6, 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And that word bless, it means to speak well of. So we like... Well, if they curse me, that's a chance to curse them. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. But he says, bless those who curse you. You heard what they said. You know the rumors that they, they spread about you. You know the things that they're saying. You know how they're trying to mess you up. You know how they don't have your best interests at heart. Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who miss treat you. Now, this is radical now, right? This is, this is definitely counterintuitive to how the world views things, but this was radical then because Jesus was saying this to Jewish people who despised the Romans because they were obviously under oppression and were persecuted by them. But Jesus is saying, bless them who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Look at Romans 12, 14. It goes on. Bless those. This is Paul. He's talking to uh, Christians and, and obviously living under uh, Roman oppression. And so he's saying, bless those who persecute you. and Bless and do not curse. So it's clear, family, we are called to respond a different way. But this is being reminded that forgiveness isn't about them, but it's about you. And here's, let me, let me say this. Also, make sure you move on from people who just want to get together and curse others. Like if the only time they want to grab lunch, if the only time they want to connect is to tell you, have you heard what, what so-and-so did, what so-and-so said? Have you heard, man, I hope things get better. Like you try to mask it through compassion, but it's not. 
You're just excited that it's not going well in their life. And that is not the way of Jesus, my friends, that we are called to bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. So don't don't make room for that. And here's the last thing. We got to do good to them. Romans 12, 17 through 21. I'm not going to spend much time there. Matthew, if you would come. It says, do not repay evil. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. So, so not just what's right in the eyes of the ones that aren't your enemies, but in the eyes of the one, of ones who are your enemies. Verse 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we get to make the choice, right? It depends on us. Don't take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. We don't correct. God corrects. So I, I got to go handle this for what they did. No, no, no. God says, I have that. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, do not overcome. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Here's the point of all of that. Don't let evil overtake you when you experience evil. Instead, make a decision to do good. I just imagine if we all live with that perspective. But right now, culture lives with the perspective of if they wrong you, you wrong them. But God is reminding us this morning that we, if you want to become, because you can't become with, that's the thing about this. You can't become like Jesus without walking in forgiveness. You, we, we can't. That's what he did. That's a practice that we're called to practice. So we, we, we don't do it out of your own strength, but invite the Holy Spirit to help you. And I'm not telling you that you're ready to make that choice right away, but you got to get closer to making that choice because that's the only way, family, that you can become who God's called you to become, that you can experience breakthrough in so many other areas of your life is by choosing forgiveness. And so here it is. We're ending how we started. Ephesians 4, 31, 32. So remember to get rid of this and replace with this. So here's Paul. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of the rage. I mean, there are triggers that you have in your life that sends you into a rage. Jesus wants to release you from that. Release you from the bitterness. Release you from the hurt. Release you from the pain. Hear me. I'm not dismissing it. But he wants to release you from that this morning the anger you feel. The littlest of things sets you off. And it's masked throughout the day because you can smile, you can have your moments and you can be good, but, but the one little thing, somebody simply cutting in front of you, it, it almost throws you into a tailspin. Could it be that you've been holding onto unforgiveness? So he's reminding us, Paul's reminding us to replace it, to be kind and compassionate to one another. 
forgiving each other. Why? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. And listen, if you can't forgive, this I'm not trying to be too tough right now, but if you can't forgive, could it be because you've never received the forgiveness of God before? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be... Or that maybe you've forgotten that, that you have been forgiven. And so because of that, we are called to forgive. We, we have to... Because the enemy just wants a foothold. And he'll take some truth and he'll add the lie in there. But because there's truth in there, it's the truth to us. We see, we just see it. But we got to ask, Lord, allow us to see what, what you're really calling us to. And that is forgiveness. So to ignore what we feel about the hurt, not letting our feelings to lead but choosing to forgive. This is a year of preparation, family. If December 31st, 2023 is going to look different, it's going to start from this moment what we're going to decide to do or what we're going to choose to do. It's got to be forgiveness because you're not going to be able to embrace, and I know I'm going to live it longer, I apologize, but you're not going to be able to embrace and hold those things that God wants for you because we, we can't operate in the fullness of God so right here this morning, I'm asking God for myself because I know there's some people that have done some things to me. And I feel like even in this moment, Lord is checking my spirit to ask for, to release people who have hurt me. So I stand in that boat with you today of asking God to help me to release the ways in which I've been wrong. I don't want that to affect my kids because then I can't parent them the right way. I don't want that to affect my wife because I can't love her in the right way. So it's bigger than what they did to me. It's about what I can ultimately do to them because I haven't released that hurt and pain and disappointment. And so my, my goal today was not to minimize the hurt and what you've experienced, even if you're disappointed in yourself and you need to forgive yourself, because that's some of us too. But what's to tell you, like, you've got to, we got to choose forgiveness. We can't stay bound. There's so, so much that we miss out if we hold on to that pain and disappointment and allow it to become our identity. So here's the last thing, and I'm, I'm, I'll pray. When you're forgiven, you forgive. When you're forgiven, you forgive. And Jesus has forgiven us. You say, what do I have to do to receive that? You just receive it. It's not about your actions. He's done, it. He's done everything already. So when you receive his forgiveness, he tags us. And he says, now you go forgive. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy, Lord. God, thank you for what you're calling us to. You're calling us to a place of forgiveness. 
God, so that we can truly be free and not live lives bound by the hurt and pain and disappointment that we've experienced. But God, so that we can live free because your word reminds us who the Son has set free is free indeed. And so we want to live free, God, to live. God, free to worship you. God, free to lift our hands. Free to be generous. God, free to serve. No longer bound by the hurt and pain and disappointment that we don't identify as the ones who have been hurt, but we identify as the ones who have been set free, the ones who have been made new, the ones, God, who you call sons and daughters. So, Lord, right now, in this moment, you can connect with this prayer in your heart right where you're at. Right now, in this moment, if there's forgiveness, there's hurt and pain that you're holding on to, release it. He says, cast every care. It literally means cast to throw on him and receive the freedom from that thing. So God, we thank you for that. We receive the release from the hurt and pain in this moment. And maybe you're in this room and you haven't received the forgiveness of the Lord. You haven't made him, you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life. I want to invite you to life with him. So with no hesitation, again, I apologize. I know I went longer. But if that's you in this moment, if you want to receive the forgiveness of Jesus, the grace, the love, the mercy of Jesus, so that you can truly live out this life of forgiveness, if that is you, would you just simply lift your hands across this place? I just want to pray with you this morning. Just hold them just for a little bit where we can see them. I can see I just want to pray with you this morning. Amen. I see your hand. You can place your hands down. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for your presence here. And for all of us who raise our hand, and I'll even ask all of us who didn't, just as an act of solidarity, would you repeat this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I put my faith in you today. And I recognize you as Lord and Savior of my life. So today, I am choosing to live for you. I am choosing forgiveness. And I make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.